0: I'm not sure. I like hearing my own voice, but do you think it sounds like somebody else? I've yeah. I've always felt that. I, I, when I hear my, I really can't stand hearing my own voice. It's just it's something about it. it so um, <laughs> I'll, I'll cross
1: you off the uh, the podcast listener numbers Yeah, then. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, definitely. Andy had such a bad time. <laughs>
0: he uh, he unsubscribed. Yeah, I'll go home and cry a little bit when after after this too. After having to listen to myself for so long. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hey, hello, dear listener, and welcome back to the studio. I always get a thrill from that, especially after uh, a hot summer, to return to the quiet, aircon bliss of the studio. But my happiness, obviously, is mainly uh, because of my guest today. Andy,
0: welcome. Hello, Ian. Lovely to be here. Good. Uh, So tell everyone who you are. So I'm Andy Jace. I am the Digital Director at Fennec. We have known each other for a long time, I think. We were passed <laughs> across back in the, the early days of, of House of Fraser. So I've been in retailing since the late 90s, so. 99. Last
1: century. Oh, I know. Absolutely. Well, no one would know that uh, looking at you. They'd certainly know it looking at me. But uh, let's now just track back so we're going to spend our time in the wonderful world of Phoenix. So as I say this, depending on where listeners are, they will immediately conjure up, uh, an image, a very vivid image of their phoenix. So my local one is local. My nearest one, rather, mm-hmm. is uh, Bond Street. And it's just one of those delightful places that has everything from, you know, a cafe to feed your kids to when you've just got to find something for 50 quid for the auntie you've forgotten about that you're seeing in half an hour that's tasteful. It's just kind of a delightful store. So for people who maybe haven't come across it, How would you
0: describe the essence of Fennec? I think the the important thing about Fennec is it's a family-run department store. We've recently, uh, this year, actually celebrated our 140th birthday. So we've got a fantastic heritage uh, spanning back a a very long time. We're predominantly based in kind of the east of the country, so southeast and and east. And we have our our flagship store up in Newcastle, uh, which is where originally the Fennec family are from. And it's, uh, it's kind of a, a smaller department store, so we cover the breadth of uh, a normal department store's offering, so fashion, homeware, um, we do some furniture as well but really we're 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 more on the boutique end i think of mm. of uh, of department stores so especially as you know you mentioned the bond street store that feels very it feels very much like a bond street boutique um, yes, it's a lovely yes. lovely store um, it has terroir it is it where certainly it is, does yes. yeah. yeah it certainly <laughs> does and it's you know it's a great place you know in the summer we've got um, cafe seating outside it and um, there's a, a a vegan restaurant now down in the uh, on the lower ground floor wow so it's it's a it's a really uh, a really uh, you know lovely space to be in Our stores are kind of spread out, as I say, across the, across the east of the country. So we have a store in Bracknell, Canterbury, we've got, um, you know, up in Newcastle and York as well. So kind of run down that side of the country. So we're probably better known in that part of the world. Uh, And certainly what we tend to find is that um, we have very loyal customer groups that, that you know, shop in Fennec. So, if you if you live in a in a town or you know the surrounding areas that of a town that has a Fennec, we have a really loyal customer base that that um, comes in and shops with us and really enjoys the Fennec experience. Yeah, and I think you know you're putting your finger on something there.
1: I mean, I would first of all say that Bracknell is Greater Wales, and so <laughs> counts as you know the west part of God's own country. But you know, I can remember growing up in South Wales where we'd go to Cardiff. My gran would put on her fake fox stole and her best hat to meet her friends at Howell's or David Morgan's yeah. because there was that sort of art deco sense of occasion about them. It's like bringing this sort of the emporium, feeling, bringing the best of the world yeah. to a community. But, you know, you'd spend hours there, as I remember as a child being dragged around crying on the carpet. <laughs> um, but, you know, now you see people go in, they'll meet, they'll chat, they'll have lunch, brunch, etc. But as we say this, and everyone's nodding and thinking how lovely, the Tide online has been turning to mega destinations, mm. the, the place of everythingness, Amazon, 200 million SKUs, Sheen, God knows how many, ASOS, God knows how many. And especially as some of the former department stores have become digital marketplaces, everythingness, has become everydayness. Yeah. Do you think that, therefore, your time is coming again with this curation or is
0: the everything that's something you're having to fend off or emulate? I think our time is coming again with the curation, actually. And I think even, you know, if I think back to my time at Selfridges, that was all about curation as well. It, it, it wasn't about stocking everything. It was about stocking the best, the coolest, you know, the things that you must wear. Mm. Um, and I think that Fennec is... You know, has that same essence. It's it's about offering our customers the best of what's out there. You don't have to trawl through the billions of SKUs that are available to you know products that are available to to purchase on Amazon or wherever else it is. Actually, come to us, and we will give you the best brands. We will give you you know the best curation of those brands, mm. um, so that it's easy for you to find what you want. And and I think that that's kind of the also the beauty of department stores as well is that you can come to us and, and we will have that edit. We'll have our point of view, our tone of voice, you know, and something that you can buy into and feel part of. Yes. And who's the customer then? Because, you know, being a, a slightly older man,
1: I'm always wary when I walk into a store and think, oh, I love this store, that anybody uh, who hasn't reached 50 is thinking that's an old person's store. So so
0: where does this engagement fit sort of in the generational uh, yeah. span? I think with Fennec, obviously we, 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 because we've got such a, a long history you know we do have a really broad uh, age range of customers within the business we've got you know an older generation of customers that's, that that shop with us for years but they've brought in their children you know they've brought in their family you know it's it, and so we we you know we span through the generations with what what we do and I think part of the the direction for Fennec going forward is around how do we appeal you know across you know a, a wide spectrum of people Mm. and making sure that we are bringing in the younger generations but we're also not scaring off you know those people you know my age your age that want to come in and uh you know still like to buy nice fashionable products um but don't necessarily i mean you're looking very good today thank you and and
1: since (laughs) since we're uh, in people's ears no one can deny that (laughs) Uh,
0: and i think the um been having that broad appeal to to you know, means that we need to get those edits of product right as well. We need to make sure we have product that appeals to, you know, across across the generations. Of course we've got a core of customer, mm-hmm. um, you know, and our core customer is, you know, is probably thirties to, you know, up into their you know, 60s. So it's, you know, we're, we're kind of that is the the majority of the... Yeah, young people, <laughs> really young people. Yeah. The, uh, the majority of people that we see. But we also, you know, we want to be encouraging in people in their 20s mm. to be future shoppers with, with Fennec. And we're, we're starting to look at the, you know, how we do that with the brands that we buy, with how we're creating things, yeah. with how we're laying out our stores, with how we're making things feel more modern, you know, for people to want to shop. And actually, I think... With the point of making stores and things feel more modern, and that isn't just something that young people want; it it spans across generations. You know, there is definitely a different way of shopping now. Yeah. Uh, people want to see product laid out in different ways. They want to feel like there's space to move around a store and to see product, and you know, not have everything kind of crammed in in a what would have been a more old school way of of perhaps laying your stores out.
1: Yeah. So with online, there's a sort of homogenizing effect where you see the flagship experience in terms of stock and range mm. and then you wander along to your local store and it's sort of a sticky flawed subprime thing so there is that gap between digital and your yeah. actual local store but in your case you have was it eight stores uh nine nine so sorry let me see the count is there anything that ties them together so if i found myself in newcastle i thought oh i must go and see Phoenix. i might like think oh it's a different store that has you called Phoenix, or is there some DNA? that ties them together. So I feel
0: Fennec'd rather than just in the city. Yeah. I I think there is. I think it's and actually we were talking about this the other day um when we're talking about what makes up the Fennec brand. And uh, hopefully I'm gonna get this right. The the kind of the phenotype of the brand, which is the our outward appearance out to you know customers in our different stores does look will look different because the stores are very different buildings, they're in different geographical locations, so they have their own uniqueness to them. But when you walk into those stores, you should still feel like you're walking into Fennec. You should mm. still feel like it's part of Fennec because our, our our DNA is the same, you know. The the brands that we offer across those stores may alter slightly, but they should all feel part of the same story. You know, they should all feel part of our tone of voice and 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 what we have to offer. And I think the way we kind of lay things out, the way we visually merchandise things, the way you'll be greeted within our stores, the hospitality we offer, that's all of the things that make you feel that you're in a Fenix store mm. um, versus the 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 kind of the visual, you know, what does the store look like? Where yeah. is it? Which which does have its kind of local quirks and uh, and nuances. Yeah,
1: which of course you would do if you bought the building a hundred years ago. Yeah. Um, right, let's just do a quick foot on the brake and pause because we skipped over the first thing you said, which was digital director. Mm. So super cool job title not quite sure what it means, especially in this context. So can you just tell us a bit
0: about the role yeah. and how it fits in and, and you know what you're tasked with achieving? My role uh, is accountable for the entirety of our our digital estate. At the moment we're trading through a, a website so uh, fennec.co.uk. with fenic.co.uk. We don't have a, um, an app that is something that um, we will be uh, looking to do in future but my my role is the overseeing of, of the digital estate essentially and and all elements of that so i look after the the trading of the the website i look after the the digital marketing team the development of the website as well so all of those functions that you would expect within mm. a, within a digital business uh, fall into my remit ultimately what i'm what i've come in to do i guess is that i've joined a business that um had has already gone through the initial stages of setting up their digital business, so they've gone, they've done a lot of the heavy lifting, and thank you for that, my predecessors, <laughs> um, of you know getting the website stood up, getting a lot of processes in place, getting you know there's a lot of uh, hard work that's happened to get us to where we are right now. But we're now at a kind of a tipping point of what is our next seismic leap that we have to make. And as a business, we see digital as, as one of our, you know, the, the main growth area for us, you know, or the largest growth area for us as well. So while we still see our stores growing, you know, digital is growing exponentially to that. So what I have to look at is, OK, so how are we going to maintain that growth going forward? Um, how are we developing the digital business to make sure that it is part of the Fennec DNA, you know, and it feels... It feels mm. like Fennec and there's a reason to come and shop shop with us. I guess in our store locales, we are part of that location. So you know, and it's we become you become a destination for that. When you're doing something digitally, there is a huge amount of competition that you don't have uh, necessarily, you know, in the physical world. So and I appreciate that that's not strictly true, but it's it it you know it is a different landscape, and we we have to deal with some big players out there who do a similar. You know, offer a similar thing um, to what we do. So finding our place in that and finding what makes Fennec Fenic Online is something that that I'm tasked with. You know, helping the business get to. Mm. We have some, you know, we have some really ag- aggressive, you know, growth planned in over the next five years, and some some really great kind of pillars that will help support us deliver that growth. But it is, you know, it's it's it is a challenge to, you know, for us to, uh, you know, to get there. So yeah, essentially, my role is helping lead the business in in you know, in our digital growth plan and and making sure that we're making smart decisions, making sure that we're investing our time, money, effort in the right places mm-hmm. to really be able to make sure that we are making that seismic leap that we need to make going forward.
1: So let's talk about the leap then, because, you know, we both know that when, let's say, a department store starts e-commerce, you know, and you can map this onto something like the Carnegie Mellon capability maturity model you start off you know with someone in the corner with uh, a web account that puts up a marketing site then a subset of the stock you can physically pick and stick on a truck and it grows and grows basically digitizing an existing capable complex sophisticated operation yeah. if you like you're a digital veneer on it but around sort of 10-12 percent of turnover it stops being oh, we're a store with a website that does what we do, to being, hang on, we need to do things differently. Maybe the order management system needs to be more digital than physical and cut off times and back, you know, we've been through all of this. So are you reaching that point or or beyond it where digital isn't just the cherry on the cake, but is having cake-like conversations Mm -hmm. about, you know, what we
0: really are? I think we're we've we're kind of reaching that point And that that's been my introduction into the business as well. Is it's is that's the point that's been reached is that we need to, as you say, start thinking about digital as part of the cake, you know, and, and not just something that, that's on top of it. And to be able to do that, yes, we do have to change a lot of ways of working, a lot of how we do things from how we think about buying product, you know, buying for a digital business is as we know different from buying for a so physical let's, let's business. Let's focus so. on that then. So the that- Uh, our reader
1: doesn't uh, mail me late and say ian you skirted over that um let's maybe look at that how how does that change for you then because you've got deep relationships with lovely brands and a relatively shallow seasonal buy Mm -hmm. that's what it looks like from outside and all of a sudden you say right Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's you know light the fuse digital's here what what has to change
0: how do those conversations go there's definitely a, a kind of a journey we have to go on with the brands as well, for them to understand the direction we want to go in and to feel comfortable coming on that journey with us. Uh, and I think the vast majority, of, you know, of brands that we we work with and speak to are really supportive and happy to be, you know, to be part of of the journey with us, which is which is fantastic. I think the things that need to, where we need to kind of change how we do things, is really about thinking about, you know, what works online and what doesn't, and what should it. I think often there's kind of view that if you're starting up a digital business and you've got a physical business, the digital business needs to have everything that the, the physical business has online. I don't think that's true. I think that you need to be able to offer a credible your credible range. And there but there are certain things that just don't work online, you know, and some of those things don't work because they don't work commercially, you know, and by the time you've added in all of the costs that you have to run a digital business, actually, it doesn't make sense to be doing some of those things online. So you have to look at different ways to be able to offer that to customers who can't physically come to your store, hmm. which there are definitely ways of doing. But it's more about how do how do you get that range online that is going to give you the cut through. So, you know, how are we working, you know, the brands that we're working with, the ranges that we have with those brands, all of those types of things. What do those look like? that enable us to compete in the you know in in what is a really competitive kind of marketplace. Are we
1: talking here about the search environment or are we talk about um you know
0: maybe social or other channels just to get the consumer's eyeball I think it's a bit a bit of both. Certainly, in the you know in search, I think that that is obviously a you know a, a key area that we have to be able to 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 get cut through and to give us that visibility. And that mm-hmm. you know, as I mentioned at the start, you know, we are our physical presence is kind of down one side of the country, right? So if you're on the other side, we're maybe not quite as a recognised brand nationally because we don't have that physical presence that that has kind of embedded that over a long time. So when customers are going on that mental shopping journey of I, I want this product or this type of thing and, and, you know, start searching in Google to try and find that it's how do we make sure that we become visible in that, mm-hmm. you know, in that journey, what are we offering as our point of difference within that, you know, what are the, you know, the, the kind of the lower distribution things that we can be part of and make sure we appear in those that start mm-hmm. giving us those, you know, that, uh, that point of difference as well in yeah. that space. And, and we definitely have, you know, we have that and we, you know, we work with a lot of brands that give us that already, but it's, it's kind of widening that and scaling that out, which is the the challenge over the next Next yeah. five years. So, if I look at somewhere like a Selfridges,
1: they would play on uniqueness of product—the one and only thing in the world. Come see it, and a lot of location-based experiences. So, anything from a denim week to a recycling thing in store. So, it's very much a: this is the one place in the world. Come see it. You then got the big guys who are search engine monsters with every skew in every conceivable thing yeah. on every search engine so you're sort of somewhere in between in yeah. that again j- just talk me through the thinking so you're, you're talking to the digital marketing team you're saying you want to be found and seen but you haven't got unlimited budgets you haven't got un- unlimited stock yeah. and you haven't got
0: unlimited time
1: so somewhere you need to focus on a priority uh, well, how do you go about that
0: I mean, you've did that is clearly uh, you know the big challenge, right? And yeah, I'm excited
1: to, to bring the yeah, uh, things yeah.
0: down. Here. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, it's uh, but you know, it's I think that is where we again where we're looking at kind of where where do we feel we can get cut from things and and using our digital marketing team and the agency that we work with to really help us capitalize on that and be able to make that into our core strengths so it is about finding those areas where you can where we can kind of double down on things and it's been clever with how we are spending and we're not just going out there and going into kind of a gunfight with people with much bigger budgets than us because yeah, yeah. you know that that's probably not going to turn out so well so unless you're google yeah unless you're google <laughs> yeah well exactly <laughs> then you've got a very big budget so you know it's uh but it is it is about making sure that we're being clever with the way that we you know and smart with the way that we are spending our our money mm. essentially and and how we're bidding on things what, what you know what we choose to bid on what we choose not to bid on and using those you know those areas where we have product that other people don't have you know or we have brands that other people you know um you know are, are less widely distributed but are on yeah you a know, so critical not, which, mass yeah yeah, yeah 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 so you know it's something that we are that you know that's definitely a um really focused on at the moment about how do we continue on that path and how do we make sure that we're getting the most out of what we do and we're really kind of increasing our you know the, the awareness of of fennec as well as yeah. drawing people in to come and you know enjoy you know a great shopping experience with us as well yeah um and it's something that we have to mature over time and again you know as i, I mentioned before you know coming into the the business now that's one of the kind of the key things that Myself and and the you know my marketing team are are really focused on working on it about how do we develop that that strategy for mm-hmm. really being able to get the cut through that we need. Uh, we touched on your customer a few minutes ago.
1: That's a thirty to sixty chunk, also known as the people who still use email. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, you look at the younger consumer. Uh, where does customer insight data analysis? feed into both your strategy and then your marketing tactics yeah. so you know are we seeing that as you move away from being just location based and physically there to being digitally top of mind is that changing the the way you need to know and understand your customers and then respond to that data
0: yeah definitely yeah yeah and it's it you know i think one of the great things it does is it actually means that we get to know our customers even better you mm-hmm. know um and get to know customers that we we didn't know before You know, um, they may have been shopping with us, but we didn't actually really know them until, you know, we were able to really use the data to to help understand the behaviours, what they're interested in, where they're shopping, what they do and don't like. We are trying to really make sure that the decisions we make going forward are based on or backed up by the data that we have about our customers and looking at how we're segmenting, you know, you know, even relatively straightforward things but looking at how we we're segmenting our emails for example and making sure that we are sending out emails that are going to be of interest to you know groups of people depending on what they've what they've shopped Mm. you know in the past rather than just kind of sending out you know a, a broad brush across everybody that's um that you know probably doesn't get the cut through that it needs so you know we are again because we're so young in the in the digital space you know we are finding our way through a lot of that at the moment and and as we've matured from a data perspective and now we have, you know, we. while we've been collecting the data, it's, it's then having access to the data and then being able to, you know, understand the data and use it. And we're getting into a much better place with that now to to really mm. be able to utilize that to, to make sure that we are, you know, talking to, being more relevant, you know, talking yeah. to customers in a way that is relevant to them rather than just talking to them about Fennec. Yeah, my favorite word, relevance.
1: Now, uh, I'm going to ask you about your career in a second because... It's fascinating, and I don't want to read it out, so I want you to cover it. But when you arrive at a new job and people go, oh, Andy, he was at that there company before, he must have done that. There's always a temptation to go and say, well, I've got a shopping list of all the things that worked in my last place, so we'll implement the one in Q1. But you're also saying quite modestly that, you know, the business is at an earlier stage. So as you look at this role, coming for 20 years after previous growth roles are there things that you think i don't have to do this anymore it's a solved problem or it's disappeared you know are there things that have just matured themselves into non-existence uh, question one and question two then is if you had to bet for the rest of your life in every job <laughs> what's the one thing that you would do in the first quarter so let's, let's start with the first one other things that we just don't have to do anymore because the time has been and gone in digital
0: it's interesting because I, I, th- there are but i think it's um i think a lot of it is around how technology has caught up with what <laughs> the demands or the aspirations mm. of businesses um i think you know if i think back to some of the the traumas that uh, you know i've had in the past with Trying to deliver the aspiration of the business and the wants of a customer, and then having to try and get the systems to do what you want them to do at the same time—that that would that can be pretty dramatic at times. And I do feel like that a lot of that—it's that got so much better. Mm. It's you know the stability of platforms and things like that yes. is, is so much better than it was. You know you're you're you know you're less likely to spend. Lots of time with the site going up and down, and you or know, Sunday
1: like nights handwriting yeah. orders yeah. Yeah. and uh, exactly.
0: faxing them to the warehouse. God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's. I think. I think the technology has just got better. Hmm. You know, and it and and therefore that makes things easier. I think it, we, we're just touching on the point about customer data. You know, the, the capturing and and then availability of data has got much better it's much easier mm-hmm. to understand your data you know rather than having to get somebody to actually go into a you know an SQL database and write a query for you and you know and all those sorts yeah. of things there are now ways of surfacing that which puts power in the hands of People that don't mm. have SQL skills, for example. Yes. So uh, it's uh, it's become you know it's become less of a kind of a, a dark art of how you get your data out into something that's been you know much more um, yeah open to everybody yeah um and, also- and just working it's it's more like dial tone yeah yes yeah, <laughs> exactly so yeah. I think you know there is still but then on the flip side of that there are definitely still similar challenges that you get as you go through the scaling of a business and I think some of those things kind of will always be there you'll kind mm. of you know, you have similar challenges about you know growth and and how you're coping with that. And you know, even when it comes to the amount of orders that you're taking and things like that, is when you get a surge of of orders coming through because actually you've you know you're now starting to you know get the customers that you want coming in. It's then yeah. how do you deal with those? How are you making sure that you're you know you're not failing at the the last mile? Yeah, um, having made the good promises, yeah, you, exactly. know, you have to deliver yeah, the experience. Yeah. Yeah. So you know those those sorts of challenges remain, and I think it's it's um. But the, the beauty of it is is that we have been through it before, so you kind of you can now preempt those rather than you know them being a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Um you know, as they were perhaps, you know, sixteen years ago. And so if
1: um someone came to you and said, Oh Andy, you know, I've got my first director level role and you had to say, Look, in your first quarter, obviously listen, learn, but a couple of things you're bound to want to do are dot, dot, dot. What's the thing you'd be saying, focus on this when you get into a new role and you're trying to drive
0: the digital business? Yeah. Um, I think one of the main things I would say to people, which has got nothing to do with kind of developing a website or anything like that, is actually to understand the business you're in. I think that's it's it's so important to kind of, Mm -hmm. when you come in, is to not go off on, as you said, your shopping list of stuff that's worked before and be like, well, let's do that, let's do that, let's do that. You may come to those things, right? But actually, the 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 first part of it is, is really about understanding the business you're in because all businesses are different. They may do roughly the same thing, but they're all different. They've all got their own quirks. They all have their own handwriting that you have to understand. And I think, you know, coming from Selfridges and into Fennec, one of the things that I really had to kind of, you know, force myself to do was, was exactly that. It's like actually just... Don't make an opinion on things yet. Just mm. understand how the business is working. What is what's the business aspiration? Where you know where does the business want to go to? And uh, what's kept you here this long? Yeah, because, exactly. Yeah. you know they're only
1: what 500 meters apart, yes. but they've both been there for a long time and are both successful. So yeah. there must be some need for them
0: both in the world. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. And and I think that you know that gives you that grounding within the business then to to hopefully make good decisions because just because something worked in one place doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. another um it might be a variation or a flavor of something you've done before That then if that's what you need to implement you know implement and and push forward in in your business because actually Mm it's a different business it has a different customer it has a you know
1: very sound so we've done dna we've done handwriting of flavors so i think there's a good pause now to to talk about you we jumped in the middle because we've known each other for a while but you have kind of done most roles and most department stores in the industry so Mm -hmm. just give us the thumbnail sketch of how
0: you got to digital director at phoenix i actually started out my working career as a chef and i was working at harvey nichols in their fifth floor restaurant there and i did about um i think it was a year and a half two years there and then the um the the relentlessness of the chefing lifestyle um was i just thought i you know i like doing this but i don't love it enough to to Mm. to kind of want to really kind of put up with the the incredibly low wages and, uh, you know, and incredibly long hours. So I um, I then was thinking, well, what what do I want to do? You know, what what is next uh, for me? And by chance, I came across a, a graduate training screen for BHS and it was for buyers and merchandising. You say by chance, you know, we're
1: talking that someone had left a wrapper on... Uh... Well,
0: you say that it was. It was not not too far off that. Actually, I was reading the Evening Standard, yeah. and in the back they used to have jobs jobs yes advertised, and it, it was it was an advert in there saying we're, we've for got our
1: younger there. listener, this is like LinkedIn jobs, but printed on dead trees, <laughs> yeah. just, just so people know.
0: <laughs> um, and I decided to to go along to that, and um, was fortunate enough to be successful to be selected to go onto their graduate training scheme, and um, that was I was um, taken on as a uh, an assistant merchandiser um looking after underpants really glamorous and uh, it's uh, but that started me up in in kind of in within retail and and I you know kind of decided that that I really I really enjoyed it and I I enjoyed being part of retail especially actually being part of department store retailing um we also went into the hardest bit I mean
1: people outside of retail don't realise how merchandising is just the hardcore mm-hmm. face in spreadsheet, deadline to deadline, yeah. grief centre of traditional retail. So you kind of went from <clears throat> you know the flaming kitchens into just a flaming pit yeah. of yeah. of
0: retail. We used to have as well the um, uh, on a Monday your trade packs were print off on these printers that had kind of <laughs> the dotted lines down the yeah, side, yeah. and there would be massive, great big packs. And then you have to spend ages with a highlighter going through and highlighting all the bits that you needed to look, which, I mean, it was it was hard work. And it was, uh, you know, it was, but I think the thing that I enjoyed about it was when you suddenly saw success from something. So you kind of spotted a trend somewhere or you spotted something that was happening within the the numbers and you did something about it. And suddenly you saw the sales coming through off the back of that. It, it was incredibly satisfying, mm. you know. Um, and I just like the cut and thrust of it as well. I just like the world that, you know, that, that, uh, that it was so... I then went and uh did a number of other uh I actually stayed there for about two and a half years and I went to work for Virgin Megastores for a while I then came back to BHS for another two and a half years and then went to Jaeger and then from Jaeger I those were all merchandising roles um and so was this Jaeger when it was still the you know, wholly owned by itself Jaeger? yes yeah. yeah 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 we were based on uh Broadway Street in mm. um great place in, yeah Yeah, it was great I then yeah moved to um to House of Fraser and. Uh, I actually started off in a in a uh, I moved into supply chain development uh, when I when I moved there. Um, and what does that mean? So you're in merchandising one day, yeah. And then someone says supply chain development. What what, what is that? It was really about uh, initiatives and projects to both streamline and commercialise the the House of Fraser supply chain. So. I did uh, lots of projects around things like the passing um and this probably sounds still sounds quite old school but the you know with concessions getting them to send their products and prices through loading them onto the the House Fraser till system so that in store they mm. could um, they could scan and look up those products not have to you know do things and stuff like that that that's literally
1: the early web, yeah. except it's okay a till system. We had a till sister with a screen on it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so it, it was a bit, you know, I, I did that for about um a year and a half there and then the business was sold. And my boss at the time, somebody called Colette, mm-hmm. who, uh, who was uh, Colette fantastic. Wilson. Colette Wilson. Hey, yeah. She was fantastic. Big shout out Fantas- to yeah, Big shout out to her. She was fantastic. Um, She was uh, given the task of of setting up the the House of Fraser website because we didn't have Mm -hmm. one at that point and she re-employed me and a couple of others to help her with that that task And, and we started off literally I think it was about a team of four. We had a little test website that was on Vendor, I think. Um, oh yes, where,
1: yes, yes. Where
0: we um, put some few products on to see what would happen. Uh, we put some Tom Toms on it and sold them all, and thought this is amazing. And then we realised that they'd all been sold fraudulently, so that was that was not so good. <laughs> so, so it it was a great it was a you know a great little kind of test bed for us before we then got into actually the project for real and, and uh, choosing mm. a uh, you know a partner to 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 do that with, and we were one of the first, I think, the first, probably actually the first company in the UK to, to use um, Demandware, as yes, it was then, yeah. um, now Salesforce. And I worked through that project with her to get that live. We we got that live um, in about September 2007. Um, seven, yes, it was. yes, yes, And then I was then re-employed into uh, a role as the operations manager. Reemployed. Other people would just say promoted. Promoted, yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Replay something like it they'd let you go and <laughs> no, come yeah, on back, yeah. Was in fact, promoted let's just go with promoted. So the arc then is, you know, from understanding the cut and thrust of merchandising to building process, new systems into supply chain, and then the operational side of, you know, going from a project to a working yeah. and growing website.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it, it was. Um, I feel fantastically fortunate that that was the path I took because I think the um, having that role as as the operations manager meant that I was involved in everything that mm. went on, which you know was a little bit fraying at times, uh, when especially when things weren't going quite so well. But it did mean that I got a a really good grounding and understanding in in all the different kind of yeah. areas, and and as the 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 business grew. We obviously brought in uh, more people, more specialisms to come and help us. Um, you know, run the business going forward. But it was you know going from a business that was taking zero pounds when we stood it up to taking I think around 150 million by the time I left the business. It was just a fantastic opportunity to really grow and scale with a business yeah. uh, and be in a role that's kind of involved in everything which I kind of feel gave me that, that grounding to then go on and do the other roles that I've done since then. Because... But this is um, something I feel is important
1: when you're training the next generation of leaders. Because yeah. you've already spoken about a graduate traineeship, which are, are great because they give you a chance not to get stuck in one area, but to understand the business. And people are, are taking time to explain things to you. Then this hands-on role... Which grows and grows before you have to specialise, so you can get yeah. your arms around it. I think one of the real gifts that uh, the digital revolution for the last twenty odd years has given is for people who are capable but still generalist to get their heads around a whole business, yeah. which you don't get that opportunity always in in a career.
0: No, no, you don't. You're right. It's yeah. it, it definitely does do that for you, and I think um, that's one of the things I've loved about working in in digital mm. in general is that is that it has given me that that uh, ability to
1: but you are odd if i may say so in uh, that Just move odd. from <laughs> uh, very analog like you know the most yes. so so analog things with with excel to old-fashioned systems so process workflow controls to digital Whereas a lot of people come from either a digital marketing background or a software background. Yeah. But I think that that sort of, I know how this all works, is such an important yeah. part. So if we, uh, we'll come back to selfish in a second, I hope, um, but if we jump to today, when you're looking to hire people, it, it's relatively straightforward to get people who've got modern, current digital experience. Mm. How do you find or train people to make sure they have this uh, the two other big things, which is operational and the shopkeeper gene. How yeah. how do you build those into a digital capable employee?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting, a really interesting point because I think it it can be quite hard, right? Especially, I think, you know, if you're going to work digitally in a retail environment, so, you know, a, a department store or a fashion business or something like that, it, it does help, it's not a prerequisite, but it does help to have an interest in that, the sector that you're in. Mm. You know, I think... Because that then does help you foster that that kind of desire to be a shopkeeper, essentially, yes, and a yes. digital shopkeeper, but a, a shopkeeper all the same. I think that one of the things that I encourage my team to do, and my teams previously to do, was to get out into store. You know, where where you work for a business that has a physical presence, it's important. You, you know, getting out there and talking to the the, the guys that are are working, you yeah. know, your colleagues that are working in in the shop floor, really helps embed some of that excitement as well about product you know and the touching and feeling of it and it's not just a a kind of a skew or a you know something that's remote from you it's it's getting that kind of that feel for actually being part of a retailer Mm. i think it's a really important thing to do is to is to get people out into the store estate and get them to because also you understand the business better by being out there so we we really encourage people to do that Mm. when i employ people i really look for um depending on the you know, what we're employing for. But I look for people that have different skill sets to me. You know, I want I don't want people that that are necessarily that just going to come in and know the same things I know or, you know, it, it's it's help it's you know, mm-hmm. we employ people because they're coming in to do something where they're the expert in it. And I want to be able to empower people when they come into the business to really take their areas on and you know and, and make it their own, you know, and help me then. Drive the business in the direction that we've got to go, and, and make good decisions, and all of those sorts of mm. things. So I'm kind of looking for, you know, for that those complementary skill sets, and the the attitude part is is probably the most important. Attitude is everything. Totally, attitude is no. everything. Yeah, because that helps you attack things. But I can, I can
1: uh, remember being with some point of sales people. I was doing a, a store loiter and watch, and a customer came up with uh, a red dress in her left hand. Had a piece of paper in her right hand, uh, and a blue dress. And she said, look, I've packed this up, uh, I've bought it back, I don't want it, but I wanna take this instead. It's five pound cheaper, so can I have the money back? Oh, and by the way, I bought it on my husband's credit card, but here's the receipt. And I remember the look on the face of the person at the till thinking, I don't have a process for any of that and it just made you realize how as people move from i will do the three things the web allows me to do to everything i want to do in life i expect the web to support yeah. and now omnichannel as well it it really does make you realize that we're just at the first stage
0: of yeah. omnichannel we are yeah. yeah yeah and i think that you know if you look out there about who's doing omnichannel well at the moment there are definitely pockets where 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 people have made some great strides and, you know, have done some really interesting stuff. But it is, as you say, we're right at the start. There's like, there's so much more that can be done to join everything up and make it feel part of, yeah. you know, it's it's one experience that you could be part of. But I think it's the, the important bit for me as well on kind of that omni-channel piece is about technology supporting the experience, not being the experience. Mm. I think there's still, and it's one of the things that makes stores relevant and special and something that will definitely, you know, live on. For a very long time is the fact that is there's that human element in store and yeah. we should never forget that it's it's really important we don't you know I well i say we don't personally i don't want to go into stores that are robotic and you know and you don't have that you know yeah. that interaction that 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 a good sales assistant can really make you feel good about something you know when by a simple thing like saying oh that looks great on you you know yes. and suddenly oh does it oh brilliant you know <laughs> so, <out> too. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah so yeah. it's it's you know it's i think for for us as well it's how do we harness that um that human element you know that that mm-hmm. the the hospitality that you feel when you come into our stores how do we further enhance that with technology but also how do we bring that level of service online as well. So you yeah. kind of have the same feeling. So two questions to close off. One's a real quick one.
1: The headhunter calls and says, hey, come to Fenix. And you're saying, I'm already at the world's best department store, hmm. as evidenced by Prizes the last couple of years. We know that Fenix is lovely as well. What one thing was determinatory really that thought, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump. I really want to do this job. What was the
0: one thing out of the many that stood in your mind as why you wanted to do it opportunity i think and it's um most of the roles that i've taken it's always been about the opportunity um you know that that's the thing that i've kind of you know regardless of the the pull of the the brand itself you know working for a brand like selfridges there is a if you talk to the vast majority of people out there they're very proud of working for selfridges right It's, it's got a big um big reputation yeah yeah um but actually, when I went into that role as well, it was about the opportunity. And, you know, they were in a very different place than they are now. Mm. Um, and it was like, I, I really feel like I can learn a lot. I can bring a lot to that role as well. And it's something that I've, you know, I feel like I can go on a journey with them that both of us can feel proud of, you know, yeah. when it comes to the end or, or you know, wherever it comes to. So, and I think the 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 piece with Fennec was this, the same for me, really. It was about the the opportunity there and when i when i'm you know when i started talking to them as well it was like you know that i felt that we had you know a a similar values and it it just felt like it was going to be the right thing for me it felt like this is going to be something that's going to stretch me it's going to it's going to be great for for me personally because i'm going to learn a lot i'm going to be able to hopefully bring my experience to to the party as well and 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 really help the business move forward yeah but there's there's a huge opportunity there from both growing the business but also growing personally. Great. Okay, well, you mentioned opportunity. So
1: let's just wrap it up. Uh, our time in the studio has come to an end. or to head on to the rain. What are you looking forward to when you get back? What's your,
0: your top project uh, that's going to keep you busy for the next few months? There's a lot of stuff we're doing at the moment, but I think one of the things I'm really excited about is we're starting to look at doing a redesign of the site at the moment and that I'm incredibly excited about. I think it's going to bring really bring our site forward i think it's really going to help us represent the fennec of the future it's going to be about the not only the the it's the journey but also how you feel when you shop with us and i think I, i'm really excited about it lovely
1: well looking your face i can see that and i love the phrase fennec of the future i think andy you know just from what you've covered today we can definitely see it's a to be a fun interesting and uh, very worthwhile trajectory so thank you so much for joining us in the studio
0: no problem thanks ian I love that chef so I get a
1: there. badge uh I must I must do some badges. I' got this little badge from um from Google Maps do, do you do like reviews on Google Maps and stuff so I normally like review yeah. places blah blah yeah. blah and apparently I'm a quote unquote level eight Ooh. exploited person you know it, I find it useful. Like, chip it they send me the thing saying because you're level eight and we value you so much, please give us your address we're sending you an enamel pin. Mm-hmm. so I got this little pin that's got like a funny little Google map person I showed it to my son I said hey you know I'm level 8 he said yeah well done dad <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> as in really don't care you're yeah, level 8 at I all I thought, yeah. hey, maybe it's not cool <laughs>